0: Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33
1: or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn
0: more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack.
1: You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now...
0: Our guest this week, former ATP pro and coach of both Noah Rubin, and at times working with Nick Kyrgios, Philip Simmons.
1: You were with me during my first main drug grand slam win in Australia uh, against Benoit Pair. You know, you traveled with me, we did a lot together, and honestly, learning... (laughs) Maybe I think you've learned from your mistakes a little bit and helped me in the process uh, process of that, which I really appreciate. And I'm sorry it had to be at kind of your expense in the beginning, but um, generally how
2: it goes, it's at somebody's expense. So,
1: (laughs) but how have you, through everything, had this positive outlook, where maybe it has your life has taken different paths than you might have wanted to, or and you know I think a lot of people, you know, you could use the word lazy, but I I think people use the word lazy because they see so much talent. Mm. I think that's where it comes from. And they see you, whether it's coaching or freaking DJing or whatever it is, (laughs) like this guy can make it in that. So Mm. when they say lazy, they're just like they put the bar so high. But how has life been for you since tennis and and getting into coaching and helping guys like me? How? What kind of experience does that feel like?
2: Uh, I mean, it's been rewarding just because I can kind of fill in those holes and gaps that I don't think that I necessarily had. And that's not a knock on anybody that really worked with me. It's just there were things that, you know, weren't communicated to me as a young man that if they were communicated to me a little bit better, I might have taken a different approach and maybe Mm -hmm. things a little bit, you know, in a a better light that people might have respected more um, and might have not called me lazy, you know, so um, because obviously, you know, when you're talented, people expect a lot of things from you. Um, it's a gift and a curse. Like, you know, I still feel pretty good about the fact that I went out and tried, you know, coming from Long Island. It's not something <laughs> where, like, it's, it's a, you know, it's a thing. Like, growing up in New York, and my parents were Jamaican. were immigrants, like, Bronx, moving to Long Island, and so on and so forth, like, Yeah, I wish I could have been top 10 in the world, who doesn't? But, you know, I had a hip injury. There's somebody that I cared about that passed away in a car accident. Like, there were things that happened, real-life things. And um, those are things that, like, I can't prepare for by running a 400, you know, or, like, emotionally that you can really get ready for and, you know, say, okay, well, this person's going to pass away or you're going to go through an injury and you're going to be pretty depressed or sad for eight, nine, ten months, you know, and you're not going to have anybody to communicate with because you're a black kid and guess what? There's not that many black kids out there. So I can call up Gail, but Gail's top 20 in the world. Like, mm. what am I going to call my other friends that are, you know, not playing tennis that are in the NFL that are having success? Or, you know, there's a spectrum of athletes and people that you can reach out to, but unless they're actually doing what you're doing, it's really, really difficult to kind of feel what the situation is and kind of feel the current that's going on. So, you know, I don't, if I, I see some talented kids. I mean, people say the same thing about Nick all the time. Like, on a much bigger scale right like he has all of these things and, da, 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 and it's like people go through things you know like people are actual human beings so i don't i don't mind <laughs> i don't mind i'm fine with it
0: you mentioned scoville jenkins earlier a guy who came up um through the ranks with you you mentioned nick curios mm-hmm. here um nick is a little bit different um coming from australia whereas you and scoville jenkins uh, a couple of guys who are african-american Mm -hmm. How how do you think in in terms of the realization of what it means to be a a black athlete in the US, how do you think that plays out in in the US versus Nick, who has been obviously a a guy who's had to deal with a lot um, as one of the top players out of Australia? How do you balance that the US versus Australian? um, I don't know what the necessarily the right word is, but how, how you guys came up how you guys dealt with that um being an african american versus a- a- an australian who has dealt with certainly some some racist issues down in australia
2: yeah i mean i don't i don't know if you can really compare the two i mean like i'm not really sure what Nick's experiences were in, ter- in terms of like race i can only speak for like what i went through and sko went through um, i know dustin still goes through it mm-hmm. gail still goes through it uh, I know Drew will get hate messages. He's just working with Serena. So, I mean, like, these are things that happen, you know, and um, there's no control over it. I mean, we do the best that we can. We play a predominantly white sport where, you know, magnifying glasses on you because you're black, but it's even more so. So, um, it's it's a tough situation. But, I mean, for Nick, I mean, he has – he's got the whole country pretty much on his back. They're a tennis country, so it's a different – it's a whole different – it'd almost be like if he was from England, you know? Like, it's a different – it's a different world, you know, like we're not in the upper tier of sports in the States. So it was, uh, it was a different experience. It was maybe even a little bit more hurtful and tough just because the bubble is so small. So you're almost looking around, like, was it you, you know, like who, like who's doing this, like who's allowing this to kind of go on. And, you know, it's tough when you get in situations and you feel like there are people that should be sticking up for you or kind of seeing what's going on. And, you know, they kind of turn their back in their own self-interest. So it's it's part of growth, as they say, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I've started behind the racket to kind of at least get the conversation going. But this hasn't gone into to race or gender equality, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But, you know, did you feel both? I mean, two questions. One, did you feel this pressure to be a success story? You know, that feeling of, you know, I don't even know why it's still a thing is as a black American, I have to come up. I have to be that guy of course and also on top of that you talked about not having other people around you to talk to you know still at this point in time do you feel like you can't share your experiences let's say with even somebody like me
2: um not necessarily i mean can you go back what was the first question again i
1: was thinking about, I was thinking about the second <laughs> no but... good never good to ask two questions but uh the idea of being a success story and that. okay pressure.
2: yeah yeah uh that definitely was a thing because you see the other guys, there was Malavia Washington, Phil Williamson, Mm. LeVar, Harper Griffin, um, James, you know, James took me under his wing, was super nice to me, let me live with him at Saddlebrook. Um, There was all these people that did all these things for me uh, where I felt like they were doing all these things for me and I wanted to do it for them, you know, and um, you put a lot of added pressure on yourself obviously, you feel that every year when you play in New York, um mm. that you want to show up and you want to show up for the people that care for you most so um i think everybody deals with that pressure uh, i think it might be magnified again because you want to be the one that kind of breaks the seal you want to be the serena of the men's side right like serena's killing it and you're just like damn i wish i could go out and beat roger at the, at, at wimby and just be like yo here i am right. like, and then open the floodgates for all of these african-american tennis players right like that's the ideal that's what everybody wants to do um but it's tough man like situations happen where you're playing a 128 draw and there's three black kids in the same section and you're kind of like wait a second let me run those numbers and see if there's a probability of this happening you know so there are hurdles that you can't really address there are things that you can't really say that suck quite frankly but you know they are part of kind of this game to try to get to where you want to get to to kind of open open these roads for these people i mean I don't want to say Coco's got it easy, but like, man, Serena did a pretty good job, like laying it out. Serena and Venus, you know, um, I see Gibson, like there's a bunch of people that came before and now Coco can step in and really own her spotlight without feeling like she's trying to catch up to any of the other women because they've done it already. So, um, she can be herself. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's
0: pretty cool. This, this is a pretty unique time, um, in, in, in the U S uh, you're, you're talking to two like white guys, one old, one younger, who you've known certainly uh, with Noah uh, quite some time. Um, it, it We're at a point where uh, the, the African-Americans within our generations, if you will, um, I'm, I'm 43, Noah's 25, are, are looking at these opportunities here to really grow and, and create kind of develop the african-american structure within the sport of tennis how do you think your uh, experience within tennis has really differed or or been uh, different from people who have just you know never necessarily been within the sport of tennis how do you think if you will racism is different within tennis versus how african americans african americans experience life it's just magnified right mm-hmm.
2: like i can walk on a street you know on a normal day in america and you can feel it but you won't feel it the same way as if you're at a tournament and you go into your hotel and you have your tennis bag and somebody takes a step to you t- towards the- towards you i'm sorry to go in the elevator and they decide not to get in mm-hmm. right or they won't let you into your hotel because they don't think you're staying there so there's a there's a difference because tennis is one of those sports where it's it's at the one two three percent you know, where it's a lot of wealth in it, um, similar to golf, cricket, horseback riding, whatever the case may be. And it's, you know, there's money in it. And um, when there's generally a situation in a structure where there's money involved, especially at those upper tiers, there's not a great number of African-Americans involved. So just a yeah. little magnified.
1: You know, Obviously, there's a lot of people talking about the world issues. Right now, we're talking about tennis because, you know, we're trying to do our part. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is, and we want to be a part of it. And Evan, I've spoken to him many times, and I'm making fun of him for traveling to Uzbekistan, to Mexico, to – I'm like, what are you doing? And, you know, mm-hmm. he's opened up and he's laughed, but not until his recent story when he basically said he felt safer in Uzbekistan than he did walking down the streets in the U.S. Do you think – on a smaller scale, which is tennis, do you think, you know, we're going to have these talks where, you know, it's a must. Do you, do you find yourself getting involved with them? Is this something, I mean, at such a smaller scale, you talk about anti-Semitism, which we don't yeah. deal with it because we're white. You know, yeah. we don't have the same feelings, but then you talk about, you know, does this conversation come in tennis? When does it happen and say, Hey, we have to get this going. And we have to support each other.
2: I mean you would hope that it happens <laughs> soon,
1: right? Like with every this the that's time. Going on, <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean yeah, I mean there's no better time than right now. Um, you would have thought it would have happened when like Arthur Ashe was around, like Muhammad right. Ali and like guys like that when things were really kind of opening up, but again, like there was no access. So there's not a large amount of African Americans kind of like putting their imprint on the sports. So um now, more than ever, I mean, you got Francis doing great, Coco's obviously doing great. You still have Serena kind of leading the forefront. Um, I saw her, her, um, interview, I think, or whatever she was doing with Alexis yesterday, which was awesome. Um, or I'm sorry, Alexio, uh, is that how you pronounce his name?
0: Oh, Ohanian, her husband, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. sorry, I just whatever, so I was trying to pronounce it right, but um, <laughs> yeah, so you know, you, you, you watch those interviews and you kind of see these conversations happening, and it's encouraging, it's definitely encouraging, but you know, it's it shouldn't take, you know, all of this just for basic human rights to kind of be looked at and be like, oh, maybe we're not doing that right. Or, you know, we have all these killings taking place, but it's like, there's still a generation of kids that are being poisoned in Flint, Michigan, you know? So there's all these things that are still going on. And it's like, when can we get past this? Because mm-hmm. honestly, like you're limiting a portion of population's intelligence. It's the same thing when they were doing doing this with women, like, How are we going to move on as a society if you're omitting half of the intelligence on the planet? So it's like, got to bring it together in some way so we can kind of move forward. But it's got to be a conversation happening sooner than later.
0: So how do you balance that um, as someone who has gone through it as a player? um, You certainly see Coco. You certainly see Francis. You see Serena. Um, of players who have been ranked higher than you. If you had a 17, 18-year-old African-American who came to you and said, how how do I uh, traverse this path right now as an African-American trying to find my way within the sport of tennis? What would you say to them? I mean, I would say
2: the same thing to everybody. I would say stay close to yourself, honestly, because it's so difficult, right? Like you're in a system where, You're traveling. Most kids at that age aren't on the road that much, Mm -hmm. you know, coming out of juniors. So I would say, you know, two, three weeks on the road tops, you know, make sure that you get home enough so that you remember who you are. You don't really lose your roots because a lot of the confidence that you've gained throughout your career has come from your home Um, and just the stability and knowing who you are. And I mean, that's that's what it is in crunch time. Right. When it's four all on the third break point, it's like, all right, what am I doing? And it's, it's not that voice where it's like, oh, I'm a little bit nervous. It's like, all right, I know what I'm doing. yeah And um, I think if you're away from home or you're away from your training ground and you're out for three to five weeks at a time, it's tough. Unless you've got your whole team with you, three, four guys, which most people can't afford. And um, you're kicking up in luxury. so uh,
1: <laughs> Not just you know. me and Phil out there. No, so, <laughs> the Adara yeah, exactly.
2: And- <laughs> exactly. So, um, You know, a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks back to kind of get grounded. And then you go back out because it's not just the tennis. It's the traveling, the eating, the languages, the stress of just being there. And you're trying to you're trying to get to where your dreams are. So it's difficult.
1: You know, and, and, you know, obviously we're talking about this because we want to learn. We want other people to learn and educate themselves. But Mm -hmm. what are you feeling right now? during everything, where is the next step for you? Do you reach out to young kids coming up? Is that a part of it? Do you, are, are you out there? What What is the next step and what does it look like?
2: Uh, it's I feel awful um, <laughs> with what's going on right now. Uh, I don't think anybody feels good about it. It's just like, it's almost like this plea, you know? It's like, we pay attention to us. So it's, uh, it's not a great feeling because I mean, Look, you got the NBA, is whatever percent black it is. You got the NFL, and it's like you guys see us on TV all the time. Like, why are they there and like not in real life? So, yeah, it sucks. Um, nobody feels good about it. Uh, if if there are kids coming up, like, what do you do? You just try to educate them, right? Like, you try to form a system where you can educate can educate them to let them know that they're not just slaves or whatever the narratives that they think, you know, coming out of middle school and high school. Just build them up, so when they go out, you know they could walk around with their head held high instead of feeling like they're, you know, the bottom of the totem pole for doing nothing, you know, just for existing. So,
0: what would you change about your path um, to becoming a professional, and now to becoming a, a, a coach, if you will?
2: If I could change anything, oh. well, obviously more time spent with me. Yeah, 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 def- <laughs> definitely more to, definitely more time with Noah. Um, <laughs> Probably what I would say, what I just said, just kind of get back, get back home a little bit more. Honestly, um, I think I spent a lot of time in Florida because you know, coming from the Northeast, you always feel like you have to catch up. You're like, man, like there are all these kids that have been training in Florida, California, the guys over in Europe that have been going to academies. I mean, if I, if you could hear the horror stories that we got from like what the Spaniards mm-hmm. were doing, what Rafa was doing, <laughs> and like what what Richard's doing over there, and like how far behind we were, and like. It's like, oh man, I got to go like six hours. or ah, there's something I got to do, and just an anxiety that you kind of put on yourself. It's like it's really unnecessary at the end of the day because you got to play. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I look at you, and again, saying I've, I've learned from you is an understatement. I mean, we spent a lot of time together, whether just as friends or the mm-hmm. you know coach student. But you look at tennis, you look at the place it is now. Um, take our politics out of it. Where is tennis ending up? You know, what What does it mean to you first? And then where will tennis end up in five years from so now? We don't have Big 3 anymore. We don't have Serena. Where does this all go?
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. great it's question, gonna be, Noah. It's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, I thought they had something good going on with Flavor Cup, right? I thought it's a really great thing to see these guys in a natural environment. We're social beings. Everybody's having a good time. Um, if you can kind of bring that over a generalized landscape and make it big for everyone so that you can have 150 people, something like that, get involved or, like, spread it out. I don't know, whatever. Some some type of team event. Um, I don't want to say you're going to have to restructure the sport, but, it's, I mean, we're struggling to fill stands right now. So, you know, we might have to do a few things. I mean, I Noah and I have talked about, like, you know team events where you have 10 guys per team and something like that and then you have everybody playing to try to get into a draft format and you kind of shuffle it out that way and, you know you travel around and you promote the game that way in different continents but again it's it's an old structure and it's a it's a discussion that has to happen with the people and the forefathers of this game and um, whether they're going to be okay with that I don't know <laughs> I mean we're we're just getting to like getting out of super breakers so john doesn't have to go 70 68 to win a match you know <laughs> so I, I don't know if they're going to restructure the whole sport right now but uh i hope those guys play a little bit longer so it gives the younger guys some time to mature and you know give them a platform so that they can kind of step into themselves Some of the game's handed over you know they can represent the game appropriately
0: you have been inside the box for Nick Kyrgios, um, a guy for a, a lot of the younger fans of the sport. It's kind of this, you know, entertainment value versus if you quote the, the old, old school uh, values of tennis. Um, how, how have you advised him? How have you seen him grow? And, and how do you balance that, that kind of dichotomy? the idea of the the growth of the sport in, in tennis when, when it comes to somebody like Nick Kyrgios who can really take it to a different level versus, uh, I guess if you will, the old school values of tennis?
2: I mean, there's a few guys I think that fall into that category, right? Like Nick, Jack, like these yeah. guys are extremely, like crazy talented, right? And um, just kind of get lost in the shuffle because they can do so many things, right? Like they're pretty articulate, you know, good tennis players, great on camera. I mean there's there's a lot of things that they have going for themselves. So when there's this I don't want to say this stagnant period for them, it kind of I don't want to say it takes the joy out of it, mm. but they're kind of like where am I? You know, like why aren't I with my friends or why aren't I like why isn't this more fun? So you just try to give them an opportunity or you know, present the game as like, yo, you're an athlete before you're a tennis player or i've told that to know a bunch of times like we're on the court and it's like dude you are lightning like let's talk about how fast you are instead of forehand and backhands. you know so just trying to change the overall perspective give the game a different lens so that um you know they don't see it as like day in day out the grind because after a while you, that's all you hear about guys talking about it. it's like oh this is such a grind it's like dude let's go see let's go to a museum mm. like let's go do something else let's go you obviously you know nick loves fitness playing basketball that's his thing so yeah let's go shoot hoops Jack's a ridiculous golfer. So it's like, let him go play some golf, you know? Like, these are things that you have to kind of put into the system in order to keep everybody sane. Because if not, like, it's just like everybody else, day in, day out. It's it's not the best thing in the world to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, take it back one more time. And I think it's just super important for people to understand. I mean, this is something I'm learning about right now is this whole idea of not having a plan B. Mm
2: -hmm. This
1: whole idea of, hey... If you put your eggs in any other basket besides tennis, you're going to fail. And I think, you know, we've learned it where, you know, my best moments in tennis have been when you and I have fun and my best moments have been, you know, when I am enjoying myself and getting out there and I have some time at home. Um, You know, you've obviously coached players almost at all levels at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you have one piece of advice. Is it the fact that they have to find who they are as people first?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got 20,000 people watching you in a stadium, yeah. right?
1: Like if you, if you don't know which shoe
2: you're going to tie first, like it's it's going to be tough to go out there and like build a pattern of kick serve, backhand line, come in, knock up, you know, like you can't talk to or think about those things. So it's, it's really like, start to learn about yourself, start to explore your mind, learn what makes you tick. Um because at the end of the day, that's all the other person on the other side of the net is trying to do. is just try to make you tick in the wrong direction. So it's like, how can I keep this positive kind of outlook over an extended period of time? And nobody's perfect. You're going to have terrible days. Like, everybody has terrible days, especially when you're 5,000 miles away from home. But limit them. Limit them the best you can. And, you know, that's that's Hawaii. all you can do. <laughs> Hawaii. Yeah. D- you know, D- you know, you're you're not feeling like you want to be. You're in Hawaii,
1: but you don't want to be there. And no, like, after Australia, Australia got to play a chali. Are you kidding me? <laughs> let's go,
2: let's go cliff diving. I can't. I want to go hang out with the sea turtles, and I'm just like, they will bite you. Stay away. We saw sea turtles oh my god terror like he's Ugh. he will not ne- he wants to go see sea turtles so we go see sea turtles after we're <laughs> cliff
1: diving and i'm sorry, I go three with like number six on university of hawaii and just he's just he's losing, ha- he's losing hawaii pacific like, let me
0: just say hawaii pacific That's, it's yeah
1: important. he's 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 losing it
2: so like say so i gotta go go in the water and it's just like he sees sea turtles and he just starts swimming to them like they're not wild animals <laughs> And he's like, "You're vegetarian, bro." And I was like, "Yeah." Until you get close enough, and then and everybody, everybody turned into Ricardo <laughs> when you get close enough. So it's like, it's it's really that. It's really that's a perfect situation. You have a tremendous amount of success. Like things blow up. Like you can't wait to get back home to like hop in this world. And it's like, bro, we got to do. We got one more week to handle. And you're like, no, <laughs> no. And it's like, you got one more week. You can All go home it. after. You know. So it's, it's trying to. Trying to keep that, trying to keep that mentality on, on the train track. So,
0: so um, when you and I interacted on a, a relatively normal basis was, was when you were 23, 24 years of age, Philip, um, mm-hmm. your, your last, uh, I guess, if you will, full season was in 2012. Um, when you were 25, 26 years of age. I, I'm looking at the yeah. ATP page right now. So I'm it's thinking, a, I'm thinking, yeah. 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 yeah remember remember <laughs> what happened in 2015? You, you, you played a couple of matches back in 2015, but your last, if you quote unquote, real match was the, the Champagne Challenger. I was mm-hmm. there for 20 in, uh, 2012. You lost in first round qualifying to Daniel Wynn. Um, was that up was, a set and a break? Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for you. you yeah, you lost in, in three. Lost in, no- in three. <laughs> six, Ooh, like that. Six, like three that. Yeah. So got it. I remember just thinking to myself, um, th- this is a guy who's got that, that next level capability." How, how do you talk to young players now? You have you and I follow you uh, on, on social media. It, it's been eight years really since since you were at that point um, in, in your career, in your life. How have you changed? How have you, your interactions with young people changed? Where are you at now as a person versus where you were at seven and a half, eight years ago?
2: I was quiet back then. <laughs> you were. That <laughs> was is absolutely I was, true. I was very, very quiet, very shelled, wasn't very sure, honestly, what was going on.
1: Like, I just wish I saw that time.
2: <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing I knew was tennis. Honestly, yeah. it was just like, okay, well. I gotta get ready to play this match, not understanding what I was feeling, what I was going through, where I was most of the time. Like I was just on a plane with my hood on, taking time L PM so I can get to sleep and wake up and hopefully I felt like good enough to get my body ready to go play. Mm-hmm. And um now it's a different human being, I would say. Uh like I think everybody grows and changes, but I think the biggest thing that I contribute i'd want to say is that i speak to the kids that i'm working with or speak to the people that i'm working with instead of speaking at them and i think that was one of the things that i kind of struggled with when i was younger i I had a few people that i felt spoke to me instead of speaking at me and um i think that's a huge thing because you have to understand what the other side of the coin is right like you can't just dictate the conversation all the time so there's got to be a little bit of give and take there's got to be some compromise like any relationship that you're in and um you have to understand. If you care, you try to understand. And um, the players feel that. Like anybody that actually cares about you when you're playing tennis, you know, because it's so far and few between. So it's, it's a very enriching feeling when, you've, when you have that, and it's organic. So, you know, that's, that's what I try to do. I just try to really be as organic and as natural as I can with them and let them know that this is a person-to-person interaction first before a coach-student interaction. That's- so if you have a terrible day at school, let me know.
0: As someone, <laughs> someone who is trying to grow um, out, outside of the sport of tennis here, um, myself, mm-hmm. again, 43 years of age, and I'm trying to listen as much a, a, as possible in this moment, um, w- w- what would you say to people? Um, I followed your social media. Um, so many people are, are out protesting right now as somebody who's a father of a five-year-old child. Um, What are those moments, what are those most important things that you can say to somebody uh, in in my perspective? How would you encourage people to grow right now?
2: Listen to your kids. Mm. Listen to your kids because parents don't do that. And most of the time, a lot of the things that kids do are just receipts from what their parents are doing and from what their parents say. So hate and racism and all that stuff, like, you don't come out the womb like that. It's definitely yeah. taught. So if you want to be open-minded, talk to your kids. Your kids have friends that are probably of color. or yeah. And if they don't have friends that are of color and they're in a public school or in a public environment, maybe ask them why they don't. Um, See if there's something wrong. See if there's an issue. Because at the end of the day, that's what everybody's trying to promote. Like, you just want to be cool with people. Whether you like them as a person or not, you can still show them some type of respect. So... You know, that's what I would say for people that want to do something different. Listen to your kids.
1: Well, Phil, I mean, I miss you. I know Mike hasn't seen you in a while. It's, I you miss know. you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's been it's been a minute for sure. Uh, I think we definitely have to do this behind the rack of story for you know soon for no other reason than because of your hair, and that has to be promoted. <laughs> yes, it has to be out there. And, Thank and you. Don't see it, and I understand <laughs> you keep your, you know, your social private and everything. But like, this has to be known. And, <laughs> you know, if there's something good gonna come out of this, right now, we need we need some happiness. And that, look at this, it makes me smile. Look at that this, it's a big happy. It's like this shaggy rug look. I
0: love it. It's Just the way it is. <laughs> wait, 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 Just wait, 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 there, wait. You know? You're talking about my mohawk, right? The blue yeah, part. F- the yeah. blue part. Is it, is it the blue part? Uh, I, it? It's it's about two weeks. I, I got I got like really really food sick last week so i couldn't like re diet. other other than that like it would be totally blue right now anyway. i
1: just want every all the hatred in the world to turn on the <laughs> mic <and his> hair. <laughs> you know if we could get anything out of this turn switch it center our hatred to a white man having a blue mohawk at the age of 40 plus old that's white it. man
0: yeah that's that's the important part that's is it. the old living white the dream. guy living
1: That's is the dream i'm not saying it's a cure-all but it's, it's a start <laughs> To start, but Phil, thank you so much for coming out. Of course, we know sir. Enough times we're we're here for you. Let us know if we can help in any way. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you. you.
2: Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Shout out to Evan for sharing the story, getting yeah, the ball sure.
1: rolling. So yeah, you know, was, awesome. it was it was big of him to do that. So mm-hmm. no, for thank sure. you again, and we'll hopefully see you soon.
2: Yeah, man, hopefully see you guys soon. Stay safe.
1: The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin thirty three
0: at Mike C Tennis and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.